45p rate was simply a distraction on what was a very, very strong set of measures. If you think you've had a bad week, spare a thought for the British finance minister, Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng. That was him explaining why he's abandoned plans to cut the top rate of income tax only days after announcing it. In this CIO update, I'll be asking Fidelity International's Chief Investment Officer, Andrew McCaffrey, for his thoughts on what the policy extremes mean for investor confidence in the UK, the risk of market contagion elsewhere, and where, in a rather fluid mess, investors can still find safety. Hello, Andrew. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. Uh, it's great to be with you again, Richard. Now, domestic tax policy rarely makes international headlines, but a proposed cut in the top tax rate in the UK knocked the pound to a record low, upended the pension industry and prompted a policy U-turn from the Bank of England. Something had to give and the Chancellor has performed a U-turn of his own and cancelled that tax cut. Andrew, is it enough? So I think it provides a little bit of calm, but um, it won't be enough overall in the policy framework that's been laid out for the UK, which contains, don't forget, a great deal of debt that's going to be to cover cost of living crisis around energy. And the reality is that, you know, covering two years means that that's a long time to be selling calls against energy prices, not going to these levels or higher through that uh, period. And then the cost in debt that will accrue from that On the other side of the attempts to try and generate demand through the tax um, cuts that uh, have been discussed, then the reality, again, the fact that they're unfunded and that this will take back some, but far from all, means that there's still going to be those underlying concerns about will this generate growth? Will it ultimately, therefore, be self-funding? Or are we going to see more challenges around the need for debt? And then that plays back into as we saw policy, we still have really the root of this was going back to the Thursday and Friday. So the Bank of England announcing an interest rate hike that was lower than maybe expected given what was going to be coming from the fiscal event. And then the fiscal event basically laying out a very aggressive um, policy and that really highlighting that inflation risks were increased, debt risks were increased, and the confidence around growth being generated was relatively low. This has spread far beyond the original crisis. And uh, you've got economists in the States like Paul Krugman and Larry Summers warning about um, contagion in other markets. Are, Are you worried as well? Well, I think that one of the things that we now need to look at, and it is interesting that not just commentators, but actually you saw from within the Fed itself, you know, a change in the narrative where we went from everything has been very clearly domestically focused about addressing inflation to all of a sudden introducing concerns of global events and could, you know, the UK spark something that could lead to feedback loops that could be very recessionary orientated. So I think that was very interesting. Um, And what it does raise is that, you know, and this is where when you look at the pension fund that impacts through the gilt yield increases, but also that, you know, again, the old issues, liquidity and leverage uh, come into play, is that on a world that's been basically driven by QE and providing this enormous underpinning of low to zero interest rates with abundant liquidity, as we move to the new world of rising uh, interest rates and that liquidity being withdrawn, 
you know, do we have an issue again where this is about obviously economic challenges, but also comes into the systemic challenges as well? And that I think is one of the things that uh, you know, the policymakers are going to start to look at. And are they moving to the point where they have to be concerned that some of these issues are going to start to rear their head? Can we explore that in a little bit more detail? So you're talking about systemic risk. You mean uh, the, the finance system, the pipes and the uh, washers. I, I won't go on with this uh, <laughs> metaphor, but basically the way that the, the world is connected through its markets. And that's the bit where there have been concerns. Over the weekend, there was quite a bit of um, chatter and um, you know nothing, nothing substantiated as we record this. But can you explain a little bit more about what, what, it, what that concern is and why we should be concerned about it as well? Yes, so it's the degree to which, again, that within the, the system, and as, as we've uh, seen, that as you've had yields um, increase uh, around the bond market, that all of a sudden that increases the cost of leverage. It pushes down the returns from uh, several asset uh, classes that it has a flow back into can they maintain those assets and that, that leverage. And the issues that, you know, in the UK, obviously the Bank of England's intervention was to try and stop what was the challenge around collateral in effect not being in the right place to support what was in effect a leverage to um, uh, profile of covering liabilities as we'd seen in, in the uh, pension fund system. Now those were I would say not for everyone these are not you know everyone's in the same position as in every pension fund and it's certainly not at a point that it would completely undermine the the pension fund system but it could have had real contagion effects as you see flowing through because of not being able to meet collateral calls and, and what that then means to unhedged exposures and the consequences that could have onto assets and them having to be sold or having to be um, uh, you know, resetting of more expensive uh, you know, hedges as well. That is coming from a, a, a relatively small part of the UK pensions business and spreading not just within the rest of the financial system in Britain, but across Europe and potentially the States as well. Yes, because it then starts to feed into um, undermining some of that confidence and being able to, to hold different types of leverage or different types of exposures because they've moved beyond the point where, again, that um, you know, comfort of being able to meet maybe uh, you know, a margin call, you know, being able to sustain a level of leverage cost that, um, uh, you know, we've seen that feed through. And I think the playback route is, again, if that happens, does it mean that all of a sudden some of those cost of living challenges that we're facing just get maximised? And then you have the feedback loops uh, from that into, obviously, the banking system. And as we saw with the mortgage market in the UK, but also we've seen generally across uh, most of the developed world, that mortgage rates going up. So, you know, as you look forward, that is that going to cut off levels of activity and um, demand? And that, again, you know, becomes more than just a UK issue. That becomes very much, uh, you know, across the financial system because of the interconnections, especially in the developed world, of these interplays across, um, you know, the financial system is not purely a domestic structure. It does have that uh, international flavour. And from your vantage point, as somebody who looks at markets around the world all the time, this seems to come back to um, confidence. Um, there was a lack of confidence in um, the government, the British government, um, some concerns about the Bank of England being able to deal with it. And then you're now talking about lack of confidence in um, other financial institutions being able to meet um, their obligations. What will it take 
to um, bring that confidence back or if we stepped beyond um, where it can come back? Well, I think that the, the challenge is can they create something that stops it building on itself? Because obviously, as you said, that it's the confidence being underground, but it's what you've really seen is an increase in uncertainty leading to fear starting to, to grow of, um, you know, do I know the exposures I have and what are the, the risks and the scenarios that could play out for them? If all of a sudden that, that starts to feed on itself, then, you know, it's a contagion of, um, of forms. And I think that's where I go from the, the economic into the systemic risk, because it's that play that all of a sudden, is it something that can have a degree of domino effect? Now, the reality is, I think we haven't seen that today. This was shot across the bow and clearly in the UK, you know, it's not going away. So you have to address the underlying issue. And that underlying issue is not just that guilt yields come down. It's actually that the leverage and the liquidity in the markets, uh, one is removed and the other is repaired. Well, that takes time. Um, and, you know, it's something that I think when you look take, take that beyond the UK into a, a global picture, then where some of those interconnections, if they're weak, does that again just create this you know, contagion um, risk? And you know, my sense is that at this point in time, that policymakers are looking at it with an acuter lens than they did, um, and you know, their concern would be if they see signals that actually this is now moving from being you know, something contained and that they, they, you know, they expect, as in we've heard the, the narrative of a bit of recession is going to be needed to take inflation down. We can live with that, but it, not if it all of a sudden spills over into more financial system um, concerns that then would have very negative feedback loops into the economy. So all of a sudden from a mild recession that gets inflation down, you get into more of a, a risk around spirals that could be either on the debt side because, you know, at the end of the day, there's an enormous amount of uh, debt to be funded um, and that, you know, how that plays back, because it's not just that the debt won't be paid, it, it, especially when we're talking about governance, it's more about what does it mean to what they can spend elsewhere to support the economy, to, to be able to continue on cost of living and support and so on. And that's the point, isn't it? Because um, th there are two sides to central banks and how they operate. One half of it is the mechanics of, um, of raising rates, of um, buying up or selling bonds, QE, QT. But on the other side is how much of an impact this has on the human beings, not just in the markets, but um, the general populations of, of, of economies and how they then start to change their behaviour. Now, given that this has leapt from the financial pages of newspapers and to the front pages and to um, the evening bulletins of television stations, not here in the UK alone, but, but elsewhere, um, does that mean that the, the policymakers might now at least pause the plans that they've had for tightening um, uh, financial conditions in markets? Well, I think it definitely increases the um, uh, chances that they may take a breather. Um, now, uh, I think the difference between a breather and sort of you know, going uh, into a, a, an about turn is that to see whether this would continue if they don't keep on pushing at that um, you know, break in terms of interest rates going up, uh, you know, in terms of the liquidity coming out on, um, you know, the QT action, especially obviously in the US at this point. I mean, the UK has still said that this is an interim. They're going to move to QT. I think that's highly unlikely. So, you mm. know, they will be taking stock at this uh, stage. And does that mean that they, you know, move slower? They stop 
for, for a while to take stock because of these other issues. I think there's a variation across the, the world. That might be a silver lining to all of this then, because that's certainly something that uh, some investors at Fidelity have been calling for. It's like, hold your horses, central banks. Don't, don't keep plowing on with um, rate hikes because you might go too far. So um, th- this might be a positive to come out of that. Well, I think that um, you know, it certainly would be. I mean, if we end in the scenario where, as the Bank of England has done, that it then becomes the Fed blinks, and uh, you know, that would have very significant ramifications across markets because then you really are um, you know, starting to get for the, you know, the global reserve currency and global central bank in reality all of a sudden says, no, we're not going further and that is, we're going to stay here. You know, they're going to uh, allow some, some relief. Now, the challenge will be, is that a period of reviewing what's happening um, and then they continue to sign because of the inflationary pressure. So do we get the circumstances that actually some of this really has its own self-reinforcing slowing, that we see some of the um, you know, elements that already are baked in the cake you know, of slowing in, in the uh, uh, developed economies come through? And then uh, that means that we won't have you know, some of the risk of going through and continuing to, to really create uh, the increased odds of breaking something, as is often discussed, uh, uh, you know, for for markets and for the economy, and that I think is something that you know we're not there yet. Is the honest truth, Richard? But but the risk. Well, maybe I'm grasping at well, straws. Well, I think that the, but the chances <laughs> of them now that all of a sudden having sort of put up the the brick walls and said, you know, we sh- we will not be um, allowing anything in whilst we're uh, raising rates and fighting inflation. Maybe there's the odd brick or two that's been taken out so they can see beyond the wall um, and work out actually, it, you know, are there, are there um, chances that there's a uh, you know much more worse things that could come and knock down that wall and therefore they have to be a little bit uh, uh, you know more cautious. So all in all, it's just another brick out of the wall. I'll try and channel more. Pink Floyd um, uh, later on, perhaps. Let's have a few thoughts beyond the wall, Andrew. Um, given all of this volatility, um, that mess that I talked about at the at the top, um, we're trying to think each time we talk to you and um, the rest of the investment team, where can investors go for safety in a world like this? Well, so you know, as you um, uh, know, and as we've discussed uh, several times, that you know we've been cautious and had higher levels of cash. And where we've had the ability and need to be able to um, to manage relative risk, we've tended to be more defensive. So, you know, thinking about investment grade as opposed to high yield in the credit um, space is duration and looking at government bond yields actually at a point where they could find real resistance to going um, higher from here. And so, uh, again, you know, things to look at in there, Richard, are and that we're looking at closely is what's happening to rate volatility. Because once that shows signs of calming, you could get yields coming off quite quickly, especially if they, you know, they sort of have the scent of that blink. Um, uh, and that's a mixed <laughs> metaphor, if ever. But um, uh, there's, uh, you know, certainly, I think, um, an opportunity that, um, you know, as we look to the next few weeks, if that starts to play out, and another part as well, if the Federal Reserve all of a sudden implies that actually it is going to slow, if not stop, then the US dollar will respond. And what you get from that is a real flow through into some of the risk assets around the world and a relief that you're not going to have that constant dollar liquidity being removed 
all of a sudden it's going to stabilize. And so you'd have those positive feed through uh, um, from that. So again, at the moment, we've been cautious. You have cash, you have defensive exposures, the same you know, into the equity market, defensive um, you know, relative to um, uh, you know, more of the growth orientation, but also that you know, now looking and being preparing, where are the things that actually, you know, real value could be um, uh, priced in to some of the, the multiple and earnings expectations uh, you know, for um, individual stocks as, as much as sectors. In the bond markets, you're getting that um, repricing that can allow you to, to look at uh, markets slightly differently. But I think first, you know, it's that rate vol duration and dollar move, and that could be um, you know, something that a catalyst to be more constructive that we're watching for signals now. Something to bring us back from the dark side of the moon, uh, perhaps, Andrew. And with that, I will leave the Pink Floyd references. Thank you very much indeed, Andrew, uh, for joining me. If you'd like to read any more on the topics we've discussed, please head to your local Fidelity website or to fidelityinternational.com. The producer today was Holly Eastman with technical support from Connor Bailey. But from all of us at Fidelity, until next time, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied upon by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without the prior permission of Fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please visit your local Fidelity website.